0: Hello, and welcome to Somewhat Damaged. Don't worry, you're in the right place. I'm still your host, Greg Alperin, and while the name may have changed, the unhinged and unfiltered comedy stays the same. Sit back, relax, and listen to the hot and fresh new episode. Buckle up. And you obviously know John. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: No, I just, uh, I can't wait to listen. Uh, This is a really... I mean, to do music and
2: to do comedy on one album, like, I am so excited
1: to hear this, dude. Yeah, we'll, we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect intro to start the episode with, because your comedy album slash music comes out June 11th. Yeah, right? so, yeah. Called Elusive. Yeah. And I have listened to it, and I gotta tell you, it's it's very unique, man. It's like super duper cool. Thanks. And I, you know, obviously I, I got the press release and I read, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm dying to, to check this out. And first I listened to it. I'm like, all right, is this is Drake doing comedy, but the music is like so good. I'm like, is it oh, Drake? Thanks. Is it Judge? I'm like, what is it? And then I'm like, you know what? It, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, when the music comes in, obviously mm-hmm. it's like, it's got that coolness of like D'Angelo. Right. Oh, like, are you familiar
2: with D'Angelo? Wow. Yeah. I mean, DeAngelo's way cooler than me, but I'll take well, it. Well, I
0: mean, that's immediately what came to mind. I'm like, this is like yeah. D'Angelo-esque. I listened to so much D'Angelo when he like came out in the 90s. It was crazy. And then, you know, just but with like current hip hop, like kind of that vibe. And I'm like, this is really cool. And then I forgot that it was a comedy album.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. It rolls
0: right into like bits, which is fantastic. John, you're going to love it, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm hoping. Cause I feel like it's one of those things that I just haven't seen done. Right. And every once in a while you have an idea and you don't know if it hasn't been done because no one's thought of it or it hasn't been done because it's a terrible idea. <laughs> so I guess we're all gonna find out on June 11th. you know? <laughs> I I'm feeling it. I think I think it's dope. I got to work with probably it was it was, honestly is like a, a dream, the people that I got to work with to make it. So then that in and of itself i've been like buzzing off of that like i don't even i it's it's going to be hard for people to like as much as i like it because i i enjoy my comedy but the music is just yeah, oof.
0: yeah so who did you work with like that was one of the things i was going to ask like who yeah, so do you work with the music
2: the executive producer on it alongside with me is mike realm who is in la and he has done like um music djing and music production to, I guess, I guess you could call it to, um, visuals for, for years. Like that's actually how I came across him was in, in college, I saw something that he did. And I just thought it was so cool. And it was like, it was in that sort of era of people doing like super experimental music videos and everything. Right. And so his, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the song, but he worked on this song where basically the music video was all in reverse. So you're you're seeing the story play out, but you're also seeing it play out in reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought it was so cool cuz you know, he was taking something that had been kind of done, but was doing it in like a very specific way. And then I think that his approach to music and and production is not only positive, it's like he really he's as excited to crack something as you are. And I find that like, this was my first jump into music. So I only come from a background of jokes. And I know that to me, he gets as excited about cracking what needs to be fixed in a song as i get about cracking what is going to finish a joke right so it was like a good compliment to to work with each other because you know i'm stepping into music for the first time and have no real clue about production i was very passionate about writing the lyrics so i co-wrote most of the songs but then the actual Production is mostly Mike and or Groovebox that I worked with on the first four tracks because Groove Groove is in Chicago and he is just so polished already that even when he sends in scratch takes they're like on another level. Like like it made me feel weird giving notes because I was like, oh, I think this is the song. Oh no, this is much better. This is the song. So, you know, it was good to just have all of these people I could rely on to bring about the part of the mixtape that I wasn't going to be an expert in, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so good. Like, how did you decide how to mix the music into the album with, you know, it's predominantly jokes, of course, you know, in bits. Yeah. Like, how did you decide how to track it?
2: So, basically, the the sequencing went in the in the way of there's two main arcs to the overall mixtape. The first arc is just very relationship oriented, like that, those four, I'd almost call them like stages in every relationship. Like first first track, uh, music track, I Like You Too is is sort of symbolic of the honeymoon phase where it's like nothing really matters and like we're all chilling and like, ah, you know, you, you get a little loud sometimes, maybe you get a little drunk, but I don't care. It's all good. <laughs> and then uh the second music track way you are which is also released as a single is more about the feeling of finding out like like not only are the rose tinted glasses gone but now you're actually finding out it's like oh you might low key be a monster you know like like this this you might be a bad person i have no idea and then as we get into the the third and fourth track of that first arc still done by groovebox it's more about figuring out if you want to stay and then deciding what that means and then after that as sort of a button we have this funk track by Wayne Tucker and I I co-wrote with Wayne Tucker for it and he's he's actually based in Brooklyn right um and he's got an incredible voice and that one is sort of just another nod at that first arc of of love and everything and then the second arc goes into how i processed the year last year like there was so much that happened last year that i think that whether whether you're talking about the the pandemic or race relations or any any of that stuff it's like it all sort of gets covered in the second part because i also feel like the sequencing of the mixtape matches the sequencing that was 2020 like if you remember January 2020 was pretty good. We were chilling. We were like having a good time, you know? And then by April, we were like, am I going to die? And I feel like (laughs) that's kind of how the mixtape goes. A lot of the lighter, more fun songs are on the front end. And then some of the darker and more hopeful songs are towards the ending.
1: Right. I mean, Josh, this sounds really thought out. And, you know, both the, the three of us work in comedy there's been some albums that have been put out during this pandemic and you know right during it that i mean i'm going to have to say was just shit that was thrown up against the wall this sounds really thought out my friend um being that that's the case like are you are you confident that this is the best representation i mean how well i mean of, of 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 everything
2: yeah i mean i think here's the thing i think that I'm obviously going to be biased and I really not only enjoyed the process, but I feel like everyone came together so beautifully to make it that I I think it's the best representation that I could put out of everything that was going on in my head and everything. But also I think that, um, you know, it also came from a deep and maybe even brash honesty because like if I'm being candid... I thought I was going to die. Like, I didn't I didn't even get COVID. I just, like, I'm usually the person in the office that if the stomach flu is going around, I'm the one that it hits and I'm out for a week, you know? So, like, I as soon as I heard it was, like, a global pandemic, I was like, that's me then. Like, I'm clearly not going to, which is what gave me the courage to reach out to Mike and Groovebox and some of these other people who I've actually watched from afar for a couple years and then was, like, guys, I am I have nowhere to go or anything to do. There's no way that they're as busy as they would normally be in the before times. So let me just hit them up and let them know, like, I've always rocked with what you were doing, and I've always, you know, admired your, your taste, and if you want to work on this project with me, that'd be great. And, you know, I have to, honestly, I would tell everyone no matter what is going on, if you have an endeavor that you feel passionately about, you should reach out to people, and you should be candid with them because in everyone that I reached out for uh, the process throughout of making elusive only like two people didn't really give me the time of day but everyone was pretty receptive then most of the people hopped on board and then a couple people scheduling stuff actually didn't work out and everything but I find that like that's what makes it good to me is that i I have the one thing I will pat myself on the back about is that I picked phenomenal people to work with, and then they just sort of showed up and did what they what they do best. You know, like I was only kind of worried about my stand up just because I knew opportunities to tape wouldn't be that they they just wouldn't be that many. So that it's like, all right, you get this chance to tape, and this is it. So Good. that that had me a bit nervous, but you know, was there I, some back?
1: Like you're doing the music, you're doing jokes. So you had the material. So mm-hmm. how did it kind of go? Did you did you have the music in mind that you kind of wanted to do? Or was it like, all right, did you take like a tag off of the end of a joke there and be like, all right, this is a kind of music set that I kind of want to do?
2: So it would mainly be when we were working on the music, I knew the jokes I was going to do already but then as we got closer to the actual day of me recording I was like well I want to do this one and this one so then I really just started like building the whole hour because obviously when I'm at the club I have to do an hour but the actual mixtape is only going to have like 35 to maybe 40 minutes of stand-up on it so I knew there was going to be stuff that I cut and I had a general idea of the order so I tried to perform it in the sequence we were going to release it but past that i think that overall i i had a general idea of like i think these songs go in this order and these songs are kind of a summation of the jokes that were told so let me go ahead and try to perform it in that way and that that's what led to most of the sequencing decisions like i would talk with mike and then i'd be like hey this is this is what i'm thinking what do you think of this order and he's like i i think that's good it's good pacing and then, you know, I took the jokes from there.
1: so how's the, how's the live show? I mean, listen, I mean, we're going, I mean, you're going are you gonna do the album through kind of like you go, you know, you know, set music set music, music, music set like are you gonna be kind of doing that on stage now while you're touring this? Mm, you I,
2: it depends because I think that for the most part, we're probably only gonna do a New York, Chicago, and LA show and try to make those really big because that's where everyone's from. Like Groovebox is in Chicago, Mike is in LA, uh, Frankie Tsunami is also in LA and he worked on a track that hasn't been released yet which is a remix of his original song. And so that's kind of where almost everyone is like Wayne is in Brooklyn, you know? So we're probably only gonna do that in those three places and then past that i think that i like i like the platform of of releasing audio and experimenting but i think that for my hour when i tour i don't know when i'll start incorporating any music and i and i want to make sure i always let people know that so they don't think they're coming to the show and they're going to get like a couple songs as well as the stand up i want to like be very purposeful with here's when I'm going to do it and here's the the dates and here's who's going to be there like I think that I would need a much bigger tour and a much higher profile might not be the right word but like I think I would have to have several shows sold out to feel comfortable springing the music on people at any given moment I think that other than that I just need to perform for the people who want to come see me and then we'll start branching out with the music when it's been out for a while.
0: So what's your expectation with the single? Like, what, what do you is Like, what do you want to, have? I mean, obviously everyone, you want it to go and everyone in the world hear it of course,
2: but like, sure. like
1: Bulky platinum baby. Yeah. The that, that's that, the,
2: that that's um, the dream. <laughs> uh, but no, I, so basically the singles were, to let people know that I do this and I work on this and everything, because people only know me from stand up. the people that know me. And so I don't expect people to just immediately catch it and get it. And every, like I knew I needed the singles to come out, to let people know that this next thing was going to be something different. Right. And, and so it's really just the singles just serve the purpose of like dipping the toes in the water. And then hopefully people gravitate to that. Right and then when the actual project is out you know obviously push it until forever right. and then as more projects come out let people know this is this isn't a one off this is a thing that i do and you know i hope you i hope you enjoy it and it's going to be a part of what the journey well, is like let, let you know
0: it comes out and Saint-Yves does well and people start to see you as also a musical artist are you going to look to do music only shows i don't
2: or do you, no. I, <laughs> like, yeah, do you want to? know no. Yeah, I think that for the most part, I would need to get far more comfortable with production strictly on my end and learn a lot more from Mike and Groove and all these other people before I could try to do any sort of solo music just to be out there by myself. Right. You know, I, I did this because I think that the It serves dual purpose. I think the comedy is very current and, and it helps sort of um, articulate things that people have been thinking. But I think the music is going to end up being timeless in a way that people can connect with it that weren't directly impacted by 2020. I think 20 years from now, the idea of 2020 will be a thing kind of like our grandparents talk about the depression. We'll talk about like this time I was in the house for a year and it was very scary. And we all, you know, we were all stressed out about it, but people who can't connect with that from experience who may not vibe with the jokes as much. I try to make them equal parts current and timeless, but that's, that's a, that's a tall order. I think the music will serve the purpose of, of being that bridge.
0: Yeah, it's funny because when I listened to it, it you know it didn't strike me as as a, some of the other comedy albums that I've either specials I've watched that were done during pandemic or stuff I've listened to that it jumped out at me as like well this is pandemic stuff right I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't really feel that I mean mm-hmm. a little bit but not not as much as I've seen in others because it was very relatable stuff and there's one that really jumps out at me that I've said to myself a hundred maybe more times while watching movies and you did that bit about um like the romantic comedy movies when someone goes and has last minute flight money or oh
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: but like I I wonder that all the time when I'm watching a movie and it just happened last week when I was watching an episode of The Office, right? Yeah. The last episode when Michael leaves and he's flying to to wherever Colorado or something. Yeah. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, Pam runs down and like greets him. He's clearly gone through security, which means she had to go through security. This is after yeah. eleven, where you couldn't just yeah. go through security. And I'm like, how did that happen? Like, did she yeah. buy a ticket to Denver, Colorado? Like, what's going on it was here? Scranton. So I mean, like the, the you know how it is in Scranton. Like they don't. They don't <laughs> stuck in
1: 1970 yeah. over there.
0: I think it was Philly <laughs> Airport actually. Ah. You
2: know, and, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, I think I think for the most part, especially with uh. <laughs> With things like that, it's like I'm glad that I do comedy now because I used to just ruin the mood. Like before I did stand up, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, why are we doing this? Like people I think people who hadn't thought of it that way were then just like, uh, oh. like like I could I could feel myself being a bummer. So I'm glad right. that they've translated to jokes. Yeah, right.
0: So were you a writer first or a comedian first?
2: Uh stand up first, yeah. Sure.
0: And well, I mean, obviously, you're obviously a writer if you're a stand-up comedian, but you know that as far as trade.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. As far as like staff writing and stuff. Right. Yeah, I I started doing stand-up way before, and then I tried to. There was a there was a small show in Chicago, and it was like I can't even remember the name of it actually, but it was called like Friday Night Entertainment Live or something. It was like it was <laughs> it was. Him it was like one word too long is what I remember. Right. And and then I did the show one time and what it was was basically, I think they were putting them on YouTube at the time, but they were basically trying to do a local late night. And uh, I remember I did it one time and had a good set. And I was like, hey, if you want, since you, you know, the same host went up, up top every time. So I was like, if you want me to write anything for you, I'll you know, I'll do it. And he was like, yeah, just send us some stuff and we'll see if we can use it. Like I can't guarantee anything. And then I, I did send them in, but I also did not go or watch the show on YouTube. So I have no idea if they ever used any of my jokes. I was also like six months into standup. So I'm sure they were barely like intelligible. And then, uh, and then that from then on, I was like, okay, I want to get as good at writing for another person as I am for writing myself.
1: Right. I mean, Josh, you're touring constantly. I mean, you're touring with Trevor. But I got to ask, like, did you find, and, and, and I'm sure you've been asked this question in the past, you were, current, you, were, you were formerly a staff writer on Fallon, and then you moved mm. over to TDS. What was that move all about? And I apologize you have to kind of answer this question again, but you get, you know, literally the number one show Mm-hmm. That is on, uh, you know, on 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 network television, and you make that jump over to Comedy Central. Like, I mean, I wouldn't even say that's a lateral move. And no, no disrespect to TDA uh, to to the Daily Show and what you guys do over there. I mm-hmm. mean, I love all of you guys, all your correspondents, and you know. But why, like, w- why make that leap?
2: So basically, this is, this is also why you, you everything works out in the end. I need to believe that, but like. I got an opportunity to be in a pilot um, for Comedy Central and I was still writing at Fallon and then I was like, oh, I really want to go do this pilot. I really want to, you know, what, all this other stuff. And so I was like, let me do, I'm going to do it. Let me go ahead and jump ship and like, see if this pilot works out. And I still had a great relationship at Fallon, which is actually how I was able to do stand up after I left and everything. Um and then Thank we. You
1: Cox. Yeah
2: right. And then we did the pilot, and you know I sort of waited and was like, like like maybe a couple months later I was like, oh no, because uh, <laughs> it because you know it was one of those things where it was a
1: good we, pilot though. I loved it. it that was
2: a blue, right? Oh no, that wasn't even that one. I did oh, a it pilot. Wasn't that one? Yeah, I don't know if anyone will ever see it. I did a pilot with Chris Red and Jack Knight before. Like before any of us really had our stuff. And so it was like, it was one of those things where uh, I was like, man, these are some of the funniest people I know. They're also my friends. I really hope this show works out because I'd love to be spending time with them all the time, you know? And then the pilot doesn't go. And so then I'm like, oh man, um, oof. <laughs> uh, and then basically I, I actually applied almost maybe a month after that to be a correspondent on klepper and and actually in, in in my in my history of auditioning and stuff i actually got pretty far like i got to you know come in and and screen test and everything which was which i'm so happy about and like grateful for because then that is how i got to meet some of the producers from like not just comedy central but um also people who work on Daily Show. And then they were like, you should really do a Daily Show packet as well. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And so I sent in that packet and then didn't get the Klepper correspondent job, but then got an interview at Daily Show and then went in and had a good interview or I, I guess I had a good, they may have hired me in spite of my interview. I have no idea. <laughs> and then uh, start working there. So yeah, that's kind of the journey from from one to the other.
1: Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But like, I mean, I remember when you were still writing at Fallon and you were kind of like working, you know, you're working our club and things like that. But now you're on a, in a bigger stage. And I mean, you're touring with, with, with Trevor and things of that nature. I mean, you're you're about to, you know, you're embarking on like these literally Madison Square Garden shows. But are you more nervous about doing those or doing your music in front of, you know, uh, uh, like the bell house?
2: you know you know it's it's weird i think that the i would still say msg and the big shows like staple center and stuff because because the music is not me having to perform it because i worked on it and co-created it it's more a baby that i can let someone else like enjoy the shine from because it's as much theirs as it is mine and then they also deserve all the credit of performing so i'm just so excited to see them go up that i'm not really there's actually no nerves that go into the music and even if you know i had to i had to accept a long time ago that you have to be open to all possibilities and i had to accept a long time ago that like look maybe people won't like this and that's and that has to be fine and if nothing else i've spent my own time and money in a year that was pretty uh, tumultuous to to make my favorite playlist, like that's that's kind of what this has also ended up being. And so I I can never I can never have any bad feelings, whether they're fear and anxiety or you know sort of like anger that people don't get it or whatever. I can never really have those feelings because everything that I wanted to create got created. And so that's, that in and of itself is like such a gift that I think that, you know, I'll be rocketed it forever. And then if people want to hop on, they can. And if they, if it's not for them, I totally get that. But I think that it's, it's been one of those things that I've only really been excited to share with people. Whereas other things I do get nervous because, because it, when it's just you, oof. Yeah. And then they, and then they don't laugh at you. Oh God. Oh, they reject you to your face in front of you. Oh man. That's, oh, you want like 30, to die. 30,000,
1: not even the silence. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen to you Josh, because you're, you're a fucking professional and you're amazing. I still, the B bit that you were working out in the park and then I saw it again, finally live. I was like, yeah. I mean, I oh, love thanks. it every Dude, fucking one of my favorites from for, from the summertime. And then, like, it, it's just it's just great to see the trajectory. Um, the last question I have for you, actually, and and, and please don't. Do you are you prepared for the people to make the parallels between you and let's say Donald Glover and things of like that? And because you be honest with you, I've yeah. never, besides Bo Burnham, kind of doing music and and comedy, but you know, be doing musical comedy. I've never really seen this kind of, and to, to put on the same album, are you okay with that kind of parallel that they're that they're putting you in?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a hard parallel to get upset about, <laughs> uh, but it's also I think a parallel that I've been dealing with for a long time because even before I started doing music, even when I was just doing comedy or just when I would talk to people, there was that comparison there. I think that. Uh, Not just in success, but I think in what our independent catalogs will look like down the road. I think that that comparison will start to diminish because I think that he is doing incredible things in some of the same fields. But he also is expanding to other fields I'm not really in. And I think that I'm going deeper in some fields than he did. So for instance, I don't know when he'll do stand up again, if ever, and I've been consistently making stand up this entire time, and you know, he has a deep deep beautiful collection of of a music catalog and I have this one project so far. So I think that when if if people who enjoy me and and happen to also enjoy him took a look at both of us, I think that the 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 parallel would sort of diminish but i think outside looking in it's something that i've i've had to deal with up until this point so i feel like i would be delusional to um you know act like i don't see where it's coming from you know i i am also very much my own person so i think that more and more especially as as more things come out people will also see things that way yeah
0: So I I have, I have two, John, you actually have one more question. You know, you do, Um, but I I have two quick ones. I want to know, and I I don't want to give too much away at all about about the record that's not out yet, but you do that bit about a gun, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I want to know, is is that a true story? (laughs) Because if it is the exact same thing happened to me, you don't even have to say that. But that happened to me. You don't even have to go into it, but it happened to me when I was in college. Exactly the same thing happened. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I two, two things that I was, I, the first two things I checked were my refrigerator and where that was kept. The case of beer gone. And so were they. And I'm like,
2: ha, ha, that is the most ironic frigging thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. In the
2: world. And it's also, it's one of those things where you, okay. Cause, cause even in the bit that's on the, the mixtape, I don't even go into full, full detail right. because even like, it's something that follows you because yeah. now you're like, guys, <laughs> there's a gun with my fingerprints <laughs> on it just out in the world. <laughs> that that like, the world. like, yeah, that has to, that it weighs on your mind because yeah. you're like, I touched it a lot. <laughs> so like, as, as a
0: great tease, you're going to have to download the mixtape to know what the story actually is. Um, and then the other thing is, who art directed the cover? Or like, did
2: you art direct it? Did you come up with that concept? Yeah. So, so basically, I worked with an artist and he is in Georgia, the country. Yeah. So there was a little bit of a of a language barrier between us. But yeah, it was one of those things where I felt like the the cover also works as like a visual representation of what the mixtape is also yeah. trying to do, which is the year that we had of like imagine being in your your amazing new fancy foreign car and then just being submerged out at sea. Sure. You know I mean, like, like you're, like you're blessed, but you couldn't be more screwed at the same time. No,
0: I, I think it's a great image. I really, I like, like that's a great, great, great cover. Certainly, whatever you're gonna do with it, make posters, postcards, whatever. Um, it's awesome. So well done on that.
2: Talk. Oh, thank you.
0: And uh, John is gonna end this on his question of the, of that he always asks.
1: I mean, I, Josh, you've known me like every time you see me at the club, I'm always stuffing something in my mouth. We always ask, what is the best thing you had to eat this week?
2: Okay, so this week it was Speedy Romeo Pizza. Um, it is not far from my apartment, and I'm I'm just chilling here by myself, me and the dog. But it is, they do put... You
1: got a dog. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. He's at daycare right now, so I actually have some peace. But I, oof, they put peppers on it, and I always get the same pizza knowing it's going to burn me up so you know it's delicious but i pay for it every time it's yeah. it's so it's <laughs> like, delicious but it's so yeah. hot
0: <laughs> oh dude you gotta the next time you're out this way in connecticut we we gotta get you the hot oil pizza oh, i turned john on to really? that out here yeah. over the summer or over the winter or whenever it was and it's the same thing it's like it
2: it burns but it feels so good
1: it's yeah that yeah, yeah, practice yeah. Practice longest, yeah and then and then that, mm. <laughs>
2: But then you also are like, as soon as you're done eating, you're like, "Oh man,
1: <laughs> it's a terrible day tomorrow." Yeah, right?
2: there's gonna be some comeuppance, you know, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so I, I actually was in
0: Hershey Park over the weekend. Oh, okay. And I went to the Hershey Hotel, which is you know their big, fancy, silly, stupid hotel, and I went into the the lounge with one of my kids and ordered just desserts and this dessert so it was it was a triple chocolate hazelnut tart right wow so the hazelnut tart part of it was like a giant potato pancake like an inch thick of like crushed hazelnuts with oozing melting caramel on the inside on top of it was (laughs) chocolate mousse covered in dark chocolate and then on top of that was like a dollop of like hot fudge (laughs) wow (laughs) it was it, $36. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't bad. It was actually like eight bucks. It it was the richest tasting thing I've ever eaten in my life.
2: The The it, thing about rich food that's, that's like kind of heartbreaking sometimes is when rich food affects you, yeah. you're like, oh, wow, I don't have as good of a life as I thought (laughs) like I'm I'm not used to this like I'm clearly not used to it if I'm feeling some type of way in my stomach right now then I was I mean hopefully I can adjust but maybe I wasn't made (laughs) eat that it was a full body thing
0: like every it was delicious going in and for like two minutes I was like wow that was heaven and then like immediately after that I'm like oh my god
2: I I feel so incredibly sick right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you're sitting there thinking like, is it just like, is it poison? Like, like like, sometimes after a meal like that, where it's like, especially prepared and it's on like a plate that's too big and you're, you're like, this is a nice place. Sometimes I'm like, hey, maybe they just got it wrong. And this is straight up poison. <laughs> Right. Very true. <laughs>
1: you just don't want to say anything. And be like, no, 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 no. I, nobody else is feeling that way. Yeah. Right? Illustrious. Can I tell out, you?
0: It, if the meal comes out or the comes out, and the plate's like five times as big as what's on the plate, you you know you're paying way too much, and you know it's going to hurt somewhere. It's
2: also the the upsetting thing is that we want we treat. Nice places, nicely. So then, if a if a nice restaurant, if a fine dining restaurant did poison you, you would blame yourself before you. Like there was a there was a taco place I used to go to in Chicago after shows all the time. Would take my friends there, everything. And one time, it is it, it was dingy. It was like it, it was it was just it was a spot. It wasn't like you're gonna find it on Tripadvisor or anything. It's just one of those things that if you live in Chicago, you know to go there because it's good. One day, this guy, we're walking in and this guy walks up to the, back up to the register where he ordered and was like, you poisoned me. (laughs) And he just, he just sort of says it plainly. And he's like already a bit hunched over. And in my head, I actually did kind of take up for the establishment though. Because I was like, look, if you got sick that fast, it can't be this place. Like, (laughs) that's not how poisoning works. Like, you're... (laughs) That, that
0: exact same thing happened to me at a Grateful Dead concert like 20 years ago. <laughs> standing in the parking lot after the show trying to buy a falafel, right? From a person yeah. that, that, you know, under no circumstances anywhere in the world outside of a Grateful Dead concert would have gotten a certificate from the health department to sell food, right? Yeah, so I'm standing there... waiting for my falafel a dude rolls up and is like i ate your falafel before i went on the show and i threw up the entire show screaming at this guy and then just walks away and i'm like can i have my falafel please yeah (laughs) yeah it can't look it can't all be poison definitely not but if i did i would have known (laughs) anyway john let's end on what your best thing this week
1: was. Oh, no, I actually, actually, I celebrated my birthday on Sunday, which was nice.
2: Ah, happy birthday. Thanks,
1: man. Um, ended up, we uh, had dinner with uh, my parents. We went to um, their favorite Chinese restaurant that's been going through to since 1980 called uh, Hapki, uh up on Matri in Manhattan. And uh, we had, uh, I had the fried uh, spicy squid there. Ooh. And I don't think I've had it that good before, but... Like I'm talking like jalapeno is so razor thin, sh- uh, like shredded on top of the squid. And it was like just the perfect amount of heat. Um, and that was just perfection. And then Donnie bought me uh, cupcakes from Magnolia. And that was the best thing I've eaten all week so far. So <laughs> it was a good birthday all, all, overall.
0: Sounds good. So Josh, man, thanks a lot for hanging with us. And um, obviously everybody should, listen to your album when it comes out mixtape when it comes out on the 11th and listen to your podcast which has one of the more unique names out there in podcasts (laughs) called the josh johnson show yeah yeah (laughs) it's the josh johnson show (laughs) and everyone should listen to it um and that's all i got i got that's all i have
1: Josh, love you, man. I'm um, good luck on the album and uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, at the club soon. But I know that you're touring a little bit, a bunch as well. So I think you're local here in, um, in New Jersey. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I'll be in New Jersey on the 25th. And then I'm, yeah, I'm in Chicago from the 10th to the 13th. I'm in Madison the following weekend from like Thursday to Sunday. And uh, then I have, I I feel bad because now I've forgotten one of them, but I do have another one, other, other things out of town that I should, should have remembered. Uh, (laughs) And then I don't know, when does this episode come out? Monday, this upcoming Monday. This upcoming Monday. Okay. Then I have a a show called Flex Comedy with my co-producer, Hannah Boone, that is going to be at the stand as well. So I have oh, yeah. a couple of opportunities to hang out in New York and the rest is all in the Midwest for the foreseeable month. And then all that's on your website, right? All of it's on the website, yeah. And we'll, we'll publish all the dates, everything at the website. Josh, and then, thanks, thanks, so thanks much, a lot. Man. Thank you so Thank much. You thanks for too. having me. Hope to talk to you again soon. Sure, good luck.
1: Yeah, yeah.